What if there was a way to reduce your stress in everyday life? Would you like to know how to recover from a stressful moment? Today on our Be Well podcast, we'll talk about mindfulness. to our fifth episode of Be Well. Be Well is a podcast that helps Nicolay College students and staff learn more about all things related to mental health. Our goal is that you learn something you didn't know before and to connect you to resources. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Erica and I'm your host. Our Be Well podcast would be impossible without the partnership between Nicolay College and Transitions Counseling. Through this partnership, enrolled students can receive up to 10 free counseling sessions through Transitions Counseling. I'm thankful to be joined today by Kim, a counselor at Transitions. Kim, thanks for being here today. It's great to be here, Erica. Uh, Today is all about mindfulness. Uh, So Kim, let's get started talking about what is mindfulness and why it's important. Yeah, I'm glad we get to talk about this because we've heard a lot about it all over and it can seem a bit mysterious. And so I'm glad that we get to kind of demystify it for people. Um, I think a lot of people think of, you know, the monk in the monastery, um, you know, with the om and the, the gentle bells and well, that's a good picture of, of it. It's not, it, it's not that out far out of our reach. So as I was thinking about this, I thought maybe a better place to start would be why we even do it. I don't know about you or, or your listeners, but I'm very much a tell me why I'm doing this and then maybe I'll try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to start with a quote actually from Rick, uh, Victor Frankel. Victor Frankl is kind of one of the huge heads in psychology. Uh, he was a Holocaust survivor. And so when we you know, hear something he says, we kind of pay attention. And so I'll start with his quote. It says, between stimulus, meaning any trigger or event or something that happens, between any stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So essentially what Viktor Frankl is saying is that there is a space between the things that happen to us and around us and our reaction to that, our response to that. And a lot of times we are just blowing through our days um, on autopilot and trying to get to some better moment, trying to get to completion of that task or, you know, the, the piece of, of some circumstance. And that's actually not that helpful to us. So mindfulness helps us create more of a space between the things that happen to us and the way that we respond to them. I think we we've talked about previously when we have that immediate kind of reaction, that's when we go to those more common feelings that like anger. Um, and if we can give ourselves that space, it really helps us come in with the appropriate feeling for that moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or the appropriate response to it. Um, we have a saying in our house, my first reaction doesn't have to be my final decision. Um, and it's kind of our cue to ourselves, first of all, that like, I wasn't happy with my first reaction. And secondly, I'd like to, you know, I've come to a different place with this. Um, that space helps us not get sucked down by what happens to us, not get discouraged by what happens to us and not automatically react and potentially make that situation worse. So it is important. Having that space is important. Mm -hmm. However, I think we both can agree. It's not easy to always do. No, it takes practice. Yes. I am glad you pointed that out because I think that that's another misconception of mindfulness is that this is something that we're either good at or we're not, that this is a uh, temperament that we're either born with or we're not, or this is a trait that some people have or they don't. And that goes back to what we've talked about with growth and fixed mindset, but mindfulness is very much a practice. It's, I like to think of it as a muscle. And if I'm going to kind of put it into one simple word, it's awareness. We've been talking about that throughout all of our conversations. If we want something to change, we have to be aware of what's happening and what we can do in the midst of that. So I think of it as our, an awareness, we have an awareness muscle and mindfulness is the way that we can practice growing it. We can practice, um, building it if, if that helps too. Yeah. I can t completely attest to this. I was someone when I heard mindfulness, I was picturing the monk, like you <laughs> said, saying Om or trying to levitate or, you know, these things that just didn't connect with me or resonate with me. And I think one of the greatest things is shifting your mindset towards mindfulness mm -hmm. and what it really means, because we've, we were talking about, there's so many different ways you can practice mindfulness that figuring out and understanding that it's a practice and you, the analogy of a muscle is perfect because then you can find which ones that resonate with you. Not every exercise is going to fit with you. Absolutely. John Kabat-Zinn said this, he's another guru in the mindfulness world. Um, he said he, he's cautious to make people understand it's not a state. You're not trying to get to some state of mind that like the monk, um, it, it's, it's a practice. It's an awareness. It's you, another way I can, I think of it sometimes is it's a, it's a hat or a cape you wear. You know, when I go into different things, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my mindfulness cap on here. You know, this is how, how I'm going to enter into this experience because it's not, you're not going to get there and be, you're going to be frustrated if that's what you're looking for. I also like the, the picture of a dog. There are times when dogs need to be on leashes. There are times when we need to kind of rein them in. And then there are times we need them to just kind of run free and we go to the dog park and we take them off the leash and we throw the ball and they run wild. And I think our minds are a little bit like that too. We don't have to do one or the other. Neither is bad, but there are certain circumstances where we want to enter into things more mindfully and intentionally. And then there are, you know, the creative people of the world where they just let their minds wander and come up with, you know, all kinds of wonderful, crazy things. Um, that's the beauty of our mind as well. And so it's kind of harnessing both powers and mindfulness is just a way that we can come into things intentionally and, and thoughtfully. And that's what it works to do.
Mm -hmm. And I find, you know, in practicing mindfulness that it gives you this space to then let your creative juices flow Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not replaying something maybe in my mind um, because I'm stressed out about something because I was able to go into that situation mindfully that it saves, it saves you space in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it builds our awareness muscle so we can thoughtfully respond to things. It also, if we're on the why train here, why do we do this? Um, it also helps us appreciate the moment. So I didn't really give a, a definition, but I'll do that now. A moment to moment, non judgmental awareness. So I'll say it in a moment to moment, non judgmental awareness. So it's not a lot of words, but there's a lot packed in there. But that moment to moment, it, it's a dropping into this moment and being fully here is, is part of what it is. Um, and then another really big part of it is being non-judgmental. Um, no, nobody wants to be judgmental, but we are like human being. We have got opinions and we have got thoughts and we have got preferences all over the place. Um, so I thought we could maybe try and see what that looked like in real life. If you're willing to try something with me. Definitely. Okay. So it's kind of like a word association, but it's more like, I just want to hear your first one to three words that comes to your mind when I say these words. Okay. Nothing too long, but just kind of quick. All right. I'm ready. All right. Rain. Clouds. Flowers, sunshine, work, hard, skunk, Uh, smelly, (laughs) money, good, chocolate, very good, winter, cold, beach, fun, olives, gross. (laughs) Okay. You you highlighted this perfectly, Erica. You had words in there like gross, fun, good, very good, hard. I mean, you had all kinds of appraisals and judgments and opinions about those words. Um, what, what else did you notice? Um, I definitely had feelings, you know, even when I was saying sunshine, you know, uh, that invoked more of a positive feeling in me than I was thinking of clouds. Well, yeah. So you, that, that list, you know, you came up with all kinds of things and it kind of goes back to our conversation about feelings too. Like, are there good and bad feelings? Um, you know, there are certainly more comfortable and uncomfortable ones and pleasant and unpleasant ones, but that non-judgmental piece of mindfulness is, is, trying to cultivate more of an awareness of a neutral awareness. Oh, it's raining out. Oh, it's sub zero out. <laughs> oh, my finger. I can't feel my fingers. You know, I'm not adding on these extra kind of appraisals of what's going on. I'm just noticing them. So we've talked about why it's important. We've defined it. You know, what is mindfulness? Um, so how do we, practice this underneath that kind of what is it and how does it look is what 
we call the what skills and the how skills. The what exactly are we doing here? You know, are we sitting here trying to get to some state or like, what does this even look like? And so I think about three different what skills. Observing, we're just straight up observing as if... Um, I'm sky watching and I'm just noticing the stars or as if I'm a newspaper writing what happened. I'm just observing neutrally to something. Um, the second what skill is describing. I'm just kind of putting words to what is happening. I, my, my fingertips are cold. <laughs> you know, I'm just describing that. That's all that is. Um, and the other one is participating. This is where our multitasking gets the better of us because, again, at some points, that's a good skill to have. Uh, we can put certain things on autopilot, um, but they've actually shown that that can be very unproductive. So participating means we're all in. You know, mind, body, soul, we are in this dropping into this moment fully. So those are the what skills. What exactly are we doing? So we're, we're observing, we're describing, we're participating. The how we do that is non-judgmentally. We're not putting appraisals or opinions or judgments on it. One mindfully is kind of what we just talked about with um, fully in. My mind is solely on this thing. And effectively, what is working and what's not working. Still kind of like, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, there's formal practices. And that's, I think, what a lot of us think about sitting down and paying attention to our breathing. So we could try something like that right now, actually, just to show you what it feels like. Sure. Let's, let's try one of those. So you just start by dropping into the moment, taking the biggest breath you've taken all day in through the nose and out through the mouth. You can let a little sigh out. And that breath is just going to be your anchor. So wherever you happen to find it the most, maybe it's in your abdomen, maybe it's in your nostrils, wherever you pick it up in your awareness, just continue to focus there. And I'm sure you're going to notice your monkey mind swinging around. And when you do, take note of it, observe it. And then lovingly and gently guide your awareness back to that spot of the breath. At some point, you might feel like you're not doing it right, or this is silly, or just take note I'm having that thought. And gently guide your mind and your awareness back.
And if you're having a really hard time, you can even give your mind something to do. Counting one on the in and two on the out. You have to guide your mind back a thousand times. That's the practice. That's the muscle working. Just remember to do it gently and lovingly. As we close the end of this short practice, you can just draw your attention back to the room, the sounds around you, and open your eyes when you're ready. So, Kim, we just did um, probably one of my favorite mindfulness practices because it's something that you can do easily and it's extremely effective yeah it's a good go-to like a good you know two-minute drill you know um for whatever you need and and the breath is such an anchor I mean mindfulness is really about picking a focal point whatever that happens to be we'll talk about some other ideas as well and and focusing there and the breath is always there we are always breathing Thank goodness we don't have to think about it. Um, but it, when we do, it's there for us and we can come back to it. Um, so yeah, it's a good one. Now, for some people, sitting still and doing nothing is painful, I'm sure. <laughs> and it just doesn't fit. And it goes to what you were talking about, um, where you find what works for you. My husband is like this. And I, I, I asked, we were talking about mindfulness and I asked him about it and he agreed to let me share his thoughts about it because I, I said, honey, I have this theory. I said, what happens when you are in a deer stand or you're on a fishing boat or you are cross country skiing? Like, what does that feel like? And he was kind of like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, sometimes I'm thinking about, you know, my to-do list or sometimes, you know, I'm ending up in prayer and, and being thoughtful about those things. And sometimes I'm just looking around at, um, you know, the scenery and, and I just realize that I, you know, I'm alive and, and he just described mindfulness. Um, and I think that a lot of people who are drawn to those kinds of activities, um, really do find that they just didn't know that that's what it was. 
Um, and the, you know, so a deer stand or a fishing boat, you're more, you are more still, but you're kind of in a repetitive movement. Uh, you're, you're dropping into the, the moment, you know, hunting, you are, you're looking for a deer, you have to kind of keep your eyes open to the things around you. And I think one thing that people love about that is you what you see. Um, you know, the chickadee that lands right next to you or the squirrel that's chattering at a blue jay or, you know, any number of things that we really miss if we're just walking around the woods or not ever in the woods. Um, and then the movement, like, like a run, runners, I think runners or, or skiers, you get into this rhythm and we call that a moving meditation. You're focused on the movements. You're focused on the, you could, you can even, you can even narrow it down to, I'm going to pay attention to my arm posture, you know, my shoulders being down and that forward momentum, or I'm only going to focus on, you know, this other piece of that movement for the next mile or whatever you happen to be doing. That's a movement meditation. Yoga. Yoga is essentially a movement meditation. I think people that don't um, understand it miss that part. They miss that you're not just in a downward dog, you're focused on what's happening in your hips or what's ha- where the stretch feels the best. Or when I stretch this way, it feels different than when I stretch on the other side. So those are some movement meditations that maybe people would be more drawn to if they put the mindful cap on and, you know, the sitting still is just, you know, not in their wheelhouse. So the other kind of practice we haven't really touched on is well, it's what I it's what I like to call everyday mindfulness. So any of these things we've talked about up till now means carving time out of your day, right? You have to sit down for two minutes or maybe five or ten if you want to do some breathing, or you have to carve out, you know, time to run or or be out. And there are ways to practice mindfulness just in the things that we're already doing. So Erica, I asked you to grab something to before we started and I'm going to guide you through this. This is heads up, spoiler alert. It's an eating meditation. We all eat, right? Um, but what did we talk about at Thanksgiving? It takes, you know, two hours to make it and 15 minutes to (laughs) shower down. So we're going to slow that down. We're going to slow that down a little bit. And this is just something you can do if you, you know, walk into it with that perspective. So I just want, and you listeners out there. So if you want to grab something from your kitchen, that's edible, that fits in the palm of your hand, that would be maybe the only prerequisite because I don't want to get too hung up on exactly what it is um and and just take that and follow my lead on this we're not just gonna chomp it down we're gonna slowly we're gonna slowly experience and observe this so whatever it is in your hand I just want you to take a look at it very closely and very mindfully and intentionally. Noticing the different shades, maybe crevices. Maybe you can kind of already tell what the texture 
is like. You know, feel free to roll it around in your between your fingertips. Just see if you can, I'm sure whatever it is that you grabbed is not new to you. Um, you've seen it many times, but see if you can bring a beginner, what we call a beginner's mind. Noticing something new. Maybe even bring it up to your nose and smell it. And here's where I just want you to follow my lead with every step. I just want you to put it in your mouth. Don't chew it. Don't do anything else. Should be small enough to just kind of roll around in your mouth a little bit. Maybe see if you can get it on different parts of your taste buds. And now, very slowly and mindfully, take that first chomp. May only take a couple, but see what you can notice in that before you make the final swallow. Notice what's left over, maybe the aftertaste or, you know, some different things afterwards. Okay. And Erica, what was that like? Or had you ever done an eating meditation before? I have not. And I think this is a practice I should try to introduce because I am that typical person that gets food in front of them and it's gone. Okay, so I picked a raisin and raisins are something in like a trail mix that I typically set aside yes. because I just don't enjoy them. No. Um, I don't think I've ever enjoyed a raisin as much as I just did there because I think even just anticipating and waiting for that nice like burst of flavor that you get when you bite into a raisin um, help me recognize it more. And, and so I might be converted now in my trail mix to actually eat the raisins, but just maybe go a little slower. Fantastic. So there's, there's lots of practical ways to fit this into your world. Um, I dishes are my meditation. I, in fact, I don't remember who said it to me. And, and they might've been quoting someone else, but they said, if you've never, if you don't enjoy dishes, you've never done them right. <laughs> and I just had to laugh, but that really helped me bring to my dishes, mindfulness to my dishes. So really 
focusing on the sensations, your senses are a marvelous way to drop into the moment. They're, they really are the only the, the thing that is happening right now. What you can see, what you can smell, what you can touch, what you can taste. And so dishes have become a warm water. Um, I love my hands in the warm water. Um, the, the smoothness of the soap, you know, spreading on, on my hands. Um, the smell of the soap. Even to the point of each dish, you know, I, if I'm if I'm doing it really well, <laughs> I don't miss a single spot on a single dish because I'm, you know, you're paying attention to this dish that, you know, we ate off of today or this, you know, pot that we cooked out of today. So dishes are, are and you got to do that. And you're probably in front of the sink for 10 minutes. So it's an easy built in mindful meditation. Yeah. So we've talked about a few examples, but there's a lot of different resources out there. So if someone's interested in just getting started, trying to introduce some mindfulness, what are some resources that they could go to maybe some websites um, that could help them brainstorm some ways to get started? Yeah. Mindful.org is my honey hole. Um, it's where I got a lot of, of even the information we talked about today. And it is, it is a wealth of resources. I believe it's a, it's a, a collaboration from a lot of different mindful experts. There's articles, there's, um, guided practices that for gratitude, for loving kindness, for, you know, stress at work. So mindful.org is the place that I would point, point to. And then apps, there's a ton of apps out there. And I, as I understand it, our students have Headspace available to them. If you want to share more about that. Yeah. And I, I can share personally with Headspace as well. It's a, an app for your phone. And as a Nicolay College student using your Nicolay College email, you can download it for free. Um, and what's great about this app is that it has so many different things to pick from. I've used the meditation. They have different guided meditations and they have different ones that are like for in the moment, you know, we've talked more about overall mindfulness, but sometimes we might need something for that moment, like panicking or SOS. And it's like three to 10 minutes of an activity that you can do. They also have moving meditations, which I think are really great. Just different exercises for 15 minutes or 30 minutes um, that you can do to break up your day. If you've been sitting quite a bit or um, just to sneak something in when uh, you're looking to have a moving meditation and then they have sleep stories. There's different courses you can do. Um, so it's, it's all free to you and it's right on your phone. And if that one doesn't work for you, I mean, there's so many other free ones out there, but it's a great perk as a Nicolay College student to use that Headspace app. And I've really enjoyed having it on my phone. Yeah, it is really great to have something, a guide at first and, and some ideas. And, you know, I just want to throw that out there too. I know that this can feel like one more thing we have on our plate to do. So I want to kind of circle back to the very beginning of why we do this and you know 10 minutes might seem like hard to spare but it 
is so beneficial in the long run to be able to come to the challenges we face, come to the people that we love, come to, you know, the responsibilities that we have, um, with intention and, and be able to respond in ways that fit our values and our goals and, to just appreciate living. You know, I loved it when my husband said that, like just appreciate that we're alive and um, mindfulness can really help with all of those things. I would encourage you if you don't find, if headspace isn't right for you or calm is another one, keep finding something. So for me personally, I like having music in the background. It's, it shuts a certain part of my brain off for other, other times, like people talk too much in the meditation, you know, I want little gaps. And so it does take some time to find what's going to work for you. And I would just encourage people not to give up if the first meditation or the first person's voice you hear, you know, does you can't jive with. Um, there's lots out there so that you can find something that really works. Thank you again, Kim, for being here with us today. My pleasure. As I shared earlier, Nicolay College students can receive free counseling appointments with Transitions Counseling. Appointments are offered via telehealth video conferencing, phone, and at the Transition Center in Rhinelander. Please call 715-365-6696 to make an appointment. Thank you again for joining us today. Join us next month as we talk about all things relationships. Be well. Be well.